to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something you want to listen to on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. When you get there, rate, review, but most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our shows when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. And uh, we go live at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're at a different time right now because it's Labor Day. It's an odd day. Um, I got somewhere to go tomorrow. Actually, if you know what's been going on in my life, I'm actually going to Nashville tomorrow, ironically. Uh, But... uh, Got somewhere to be, so we're at 5.30 today, but usually it's at 7 p.m. Eastern time on the A to Z Sports National YouTube channel, and you can tune in there and be a part of the show. You can come in, comment, give your feedback to us, come hang out. We love talking about everybody's comments. It's always a really great time. And so uh, subscribe, hit that notification bell, the like button, yada, yada, yada. You know where it's at. You're here. Um, at Charlie underscore bros, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff. That's Zach, right? All right. Let me start off the show by saying this. Been an interesting couple of days. <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. You're welcome to uh, the entire Titans media core. Um, glad that I could give you a full day worth of content. Me and me and like Tennessee fans in general, we were able to give... Um, the carpet bagging media blowhards over there in Nashville, a full day of stuff to speak on. Um, and I, I'm happy to do that. Uh, nobody asked me to come on, maybe elaborate on what I said, what I think about anything. They just say, hey, we'll just take your tweet and we're going to put a bunch of words in your mouth. We're going to say all, all this stuff. We're going to give our, our take on it. No, nobody, nobody wants to ask the guy that actually said the thing that you're talking about. No, no, no. Hey, it's God forbid that you actually you know, bring me on, but whatever. You're welcome to all of those leeches using my words for content. Zach, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, you uh, you said uh, Twitter ablaze the day after Tennessee opened the season, and it had nothing to do with the actual game uh, at all. And you got somehow got a lot of Titans fans really riled up, as riled up as I've seen them uh, ever, really. And you kind of had have dual citizenship there since you are a Titans fan. I saw a lot of people questioning if if you're even a Titans fan. Yeah. If they've watched this show or they know you at all. They you could know, ask. You could ask they, me, you know. They, they've likely heard a rant or two. I was just amazed. I'm sure you'll kind of get into the content of your tweet here, but I was amazed at the amount of people that took interest in it uh, kind of embellished your words quite a bit and did a lot of uh, yeah. research on stuff that you didn't say about players drafted Tennessee players drafted where they should have been drafted where they ended up a lot of people did, did a lot of a uh, futile futile work there that they really didn't matter yeah. I was I was shocked that that many people cared and are that passionate about just a simple tweet that you probably tweeted and didn't even really think about after you tweeted it if you don't know because I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans don't uh, a lot of people find this on Facebook in different places um yeah, so I tweeted out, Tennessee set the all-time attendance record at Nissan Stadium, which is pathetic for the Titans, and we're going to get into that. And again, I'm a Titans fan. It's pathetic for the Titans. This is going to be the final segment of the show when I really like give my whole you know, spiel on this. Um, which but, has the potential to get loud, maybe? Passionate? Energetic? I don't know. Sit around and see. 
Yeah, you we'll don't see. know. Charlie Charlie doesn't even know, to be honest, where it'll go. I, I really don't. Uh, but if you didn't see, I, I said uh, Ch- Chad Withrow, who works without kick, he said something like, when was the last time Titan Stadium looked like this? And I replied to that, and I said, the Titan Stadium could look like that more often if they would uh, do the bare minimum of pan- pandering to Tennessee fans. I don't know. I can read the exact tweet. I don't have it right in front of me, but it was something like that. Uh, and then I said, instead, they, and this is where it went off the rails. And I said, instead, they prefer to just spit in our faces. And that's where everybody was like, when did, when did they spit in our faces? When they haven't ever spit in Tennessee fans' faces? When did they, blah, 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 blah. And then 1,400 people liked the tweet. Uh, so some people agree with me, just a few. And then uh, about 1,400 Titans media members uh, talked about it on the radio today. <laughs> and tried to tried to dunk on me. Uh, and... And I'll, yeah, I'll give my full take on that here. Yeah, I have some thoughts too, mostly on, uh, and we'll get to that later, but mostly on how one of their biggest points about talking about a a program two and a half hours away is completely irrelevant and not really as good of a burn on you as they think it is uh, at all when it comes to some other professional sports teams in Tennessee. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, the, my main contention obviously was everybody said, uh, said, this is so stupid. What, what are the Titans? He, this guy just wants the Titans to draft nothing but Tennessee players. And here's my challenge to you. Go look through every single tweet that I tweeted and find where I said that. Seriously. To all the, I know, I'm sure some of these Titans be, members will watch this. I mean, this is a Titans channel, largely. Um, and we are just like the UT arm of what they do. Go find that tweet where I said that. Just go look, go look for it and see what, see what comes up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you'll like, uh, you'll be interested to see what you find. Anywho, this is a Tennessee show, and Tennessee played its first game over the weekend against Virginia. And that's obviously what we have to talk about. And we're going to talk about that first. And again, the last segment of the show, it's going to be a Titans thing for anybody who wants to see it. That's when it's going to happen. Uh, and we'll re put it out on Twitter at that point. But Tennessee thrashes Virginia. It was so fun getting back, doing the show again. Uh, with Crompton, going to probably talk about some that he had to say about the game uh, to me and Jonathan Crompton do a halftime post-game show of every Tennessee football game. Uh, and we'll get to all of that right after I tell you about our first great sponsor of this show. They keep us going, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Uh, much has changed in Tennessee over the years, but some has stayed the same. Farm Bureau Health Plans has always valued personal relationships. Especially when it comes to good health and good service. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for health, dental, and vision. For better coverage, better rates, and better service, go to fbhp.com slash ATOZ or walk into one of their 200-plus locations across the state. That is fbhp.com slash ATOZ. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Thank you, thank you, thank you to them. Great partner of the show for a long time now. Um, Zach, I'll throw it to you. You watched the game. The Vols ran it up. 49-13 to on Virginia. What were your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, I think the first thing that stands out to everybody is probably the defense, right? They played extremely well. The defensive line was able to get uh, generate pressure, it seemed like, all day. Now, Virginia's offensive line was unsettled. Whoever was playing at right tackle for them did, did not do a very good job. But if you have a really good defensive line, that's what they're supposed to do against a team like Virginia, just kind of make life hell uh, on Virginia in the backfield. And they, they pretty much lived in the backfield. I mean, even when they weren't getting to the quarterback, they were affecting the pocket. 
Uh, James Pierce obviously looked fantastic, like he could be a future star. It's pretty exciting that he's still just a sophomore, so he's still got a lot of growing left to do. Tyler Barron showed up in a big way. Uh, I thought Roman Harrison had a couple of moments where, you know, he didn't get to the quarterback, but he either almost did or the pressure that he generated led to a sack or, or led to the quarterback getting the ball out of his hand quicker than he wanted to. Uh, kind of showed a nice spin move on one of Tyler Barron's sacks that I thought was pretty impressive. He'd been right there if Barron wasn't. So that's very encouraging to see multiple guys kind of swarming to the ball. And then the linebackers, man, uh, Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely looked great. Uh, the The numbers weren't gaudy, tackle numbers, because they, they rotate so much. I think that's probably going to be something we we see moving forward uh, from Josh Eiple and Tim Banks in this defense. That's how they want to play. So we kind of have to give up some of those numbers to be a part of this defense. And, you know, NFL scouts, they're, they're not drafting somebody based on box scores totally. It's, it's the film. There was one play in particular that I tweeted it out last night where Keenan Peely looks like he's blitzing. I don't know the design of the play or how it was supposed to look, but he, I mean, it looks like he's coming up through the B gap maybe, and he immediately peels off to cover the running back, which kind of unsettles everything there for Virginia. They dump it off to a tight end maybe that was crossing or a wide receiver, and Aaron Beasley's right there. I think he, he was a tackle for a loss or right near the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's what you want to see your linebackers doing. And stuff like that has been such a problem for Tennessee in the past. Being able to cover, Peely's great in coverage. Beasley looks like he's gotten better. Pursuing, just being able to get to those balls or to those, to those ball carriers and make those tackles. And Keenan Peely a couple of times, the way he wraps up in tackles, so refreshing to see. I mean, for the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, maybe since 2004-ish, it seems like Tennessee's defense has always had problems kind of wrapping up and, and making some of those tackles. And Peely, I mean, it was textbook, like an NFL player out there. So, I mean, that was the first takeaway for me was the defense. He's, he's older than most NFL players, Keenan That's true. That's true. He is, he is older than probably like Will Anderson and some of those others that were just drafted. Yeah, it's like uh, 30 years old already. Um. But uh, yeah, hundred percent agree with all of that. The defense is obviously the thing that just stands out here. Virginia, they're in a sad state of affairs. We we certainly do have to say that their team is not in the greatest shape. Uh, They've been through a lot. Been through a lot. Yeah, uh, with everything that happened last season. And credit to the to those guys that that came back too. That they could have easily left. I mean, it's a it's yeah. unfortunate kind of the way that every you know. You have to play the game, but that story is important. And I, I thought they did a good job of kind of keeping that at the forefront because I do think that was a big day for Virginia. And that's, you know, shouldn't forget about that. It, it was. And and I appreciated the, the tribute that they did before the game. And it was really cool to see one of the guys that was sadly in, involved in that shooting ended up playing in that game. It was a very mm-hmm. cool story. Um, but they are just, I mean, it's just rough for them. They just, they don't have the talent. It's not there. I think they're going to end up. They're going to have a bad season in the ACC, yeah. and not not to completely disparage the ACC, but it's not the SEC. And uh, I, yeah, I will be surprised. I, I saw that they're. I think they're playing James Madison this weekend, and James Madison is a favorite. So mm. that's rough. Yeah, I don't know if they're. <laughs> you know, and Tennessee knocked their quarterback out late in the game too, and I don't know if that's yep. a situation where I haven't heard the the injury update on Tony Musket, but. I don't know if that's a situation where it's just, hey, this game isn't going to be won. There's no point in keeping you in here. It was a close quarterback competition anyway for Virginia, so they probably wanted to get the other guys some looks as well, which would make sense, but that certainly would make things even more difficult on them. Definitely. Uh, 
Major says D line was a pleasant surprise. Jury is still out on the secondary. I agree. The secondary <laughs> looked in in that game. The secondary looked prepared, and they could they were you know they were right there. They were physically were, more imposing than Virginia. It looked like it, they were where they needed to be. And that's what I was about time. to say. The you still saw with Haddon. Haddon made plays. Kamal Haddon made plays. Uh, still did not turn his head to look at the football, which can be a problem. But his positioning, it seemed like the positioning with the DBs had improved and, and is better. Just more, kind of like you were saying with Keenan Peely, it's more fundamental. And so yeah. that's encouraging. But I, I do agree that, the jury the, is still out. Back, with the looking back at the ball, I mean, that is such a huge thing that we've been talking about for the last year with these DBs. And we've talked about, is it William Martinez? Is it Tim Banks? Like, what's the deal here? I saw a little bit of that from LSU last night. Maybe not the best example since LSU kind of got destroyed last night, but they've got a good defensive staff. I mean, Matt House is the defensive coordinator there. Spent time. He was D.C. at Kentucky when their defense was at its best uh, late 2010s with the Kansas City Chiefs. So they, they have a quality staff there. I don't, I'm not a DB coach, never played DB, would be obviously could not play DB. Maybe that's a technique. I don't know. Maybe you lose time turning around to look for the ball, and they just think throwing your hands up there and trying to get it in the way. I mean, if it's underthrown, it's probably going to be pass interference, so you run that risk. But I, I don't yeah. know if that's something that they're teaching on purpose or not. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm not even sure that Florida is going to be the best gauge for that because it doesn't seem like they have the strongest passing game after watching them against Utah. Um. But obviously, those DBs will be tested for sure coming in the coming weeks, and we'll we'll find out. But the defensive line and the linebackers, there's improvement across the board. There, Aaron Beasley, we already knew was a dog, but James Pierce making plays. Uh, you had Tyler Barron making plays. You had uh, Amari Thomas. Just looks Amari Thomas just looks good. He he looks like a good defensive lineman. And so that's, that's is, really good play where he was pursuing their quarterback scrambling and he, he kind of got to him. Everybody's kind of there at the same time. It was decent speed for the big guy. And he's the biggest defensive lineman out there, probably him or Omar Norman lot. And he yeah. can get he can get across the field and, and move sideline to sideline a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it, that was just really nice to see overall as for the offense. Um, 500 yards offense. Most of that on the ground, 200 yards-ish passing uh, for Tennessee, and then almost 300 yards on the ground. I mean, it was a monster day. Jalen Wright looked fantastic, uh, was so, so, so good. The offensive line, again, Virginia, you have to take all this with a grain of salt and kind of take it to what it is. But supposedly, their best position on the entire team was their defensive line. It's where they had the most mm -hmm. returning players and probably the most talent. And uh, that the offensive line held up nicely. And you saw, I, I think the, the kid from Texas did a good job. They rotate a lot of guys. They mm -hmm. rotate a lot of guys. The kid from Texas, I think, uh, did a good job. Um, the, that center position, which, of course, Cooper Mays is out. I thought that held up uh, nicely. But yeah, the, Dane Davis did well there. Surprisingly. He, he really did. He really did. And when he was in there. Then uh, I, I think the, the one that everybody, because this kind of got memed, uh, but John Campbell uh literally drove a guy into the stands in one play um and i you know we should have known i brought this up when we said it at the time but he he said that one of the main reasons he chose tennessee was because there was waffle house in knoxville easily accessible 
to campus. And when he said that, I said, you know, this guy is the real deal. I know he's going to be a guy for Tennessee after that happened. And lo and behold, it seems like he is. And thank goodness, because it's pretty much the most important outside of center, probably the most important position on the, the offensive line. And I was happy to see that come to fruition. I, you know, you, you have some things like this, like Rex, he says in the comments here, I think it's starting to shape out that Tennessee is the third best team in the SEC. I mean, you have some questions like that's that's probably true. There's a lot of people sort of saying something similar to that after this game, uh, especially with LSU kind of looking like garbage against Florida State. But uh, you have some questions like, does Tennessee have the best running back room in the SEC? Might be. It's pretty mm-hmm. deep. It's really talented. They don't have that single breakout, you know, just kill you guy, but they have three dudes with sort of each one with different talents and a different role. Dylan Sampson scored four touchdowns in this game. He just ended up kind of being like Jalen Wright would get them down near the goal line. And then Dylan Sampson steals the valor and gets the touchdown. But, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a pretty good little three. And if Cam Selden comes into the picture, maybe a four headed monster there in the backfield. I, I like it. And, and there's some interesting questions like that. And we, Honestly, we're talking about the jury still being out and stuff. The jury is still kind of out on the wide receivers. Obviously, we know Brew, Brew McCoy is really good. We've seen Squirrel White Flash, but they don't really get the ball that much. Um, and so, but it, it it was an interesting day for the offense. Yeah, I think the offense, I mean, that was just a product kind of, of, of what Virginia was giving Tennessee. And Tennessee is not, Josh Heupel, is, he's a smart guy. He's not just chunking the ball down the field. I mean, he's, they're, <laughs> If they're giving them eight, nine yards of play, whether it's running the ball with Jalen Wright or Jabari Small or Dylan Sampson or throwing the ball to the perimeter and letting your wide receiver pick up, you know, six, seven chunks of yards, which is really just an extension of the running game, they're going to take it all day and they'll go right down the field. If you're going to give it to them, they make life easy and just take it. Like there's no point in, in trying to force something that's not there. So, I mean, that's one of those things. Tennessee's going to run the ball like this teams are going to have to start putting guys in the box and playing them a little differently, which will open up the passing game a lot more. I mean, it it's really, that's why Tennessee's so tough to defend. I mean, you want to take away the pass and they're going to kill you with the run. I mean, that's why we've said for a year now that the secret to stopping Tennessee is controlling the line of scrimmage. It's the reason why Georgia was able to win. So if a team can't really do that, they're going to have a hard time stopping Tennessee at all. So, you know, with the wide receivers, we'll see. I would have liked to have seen a little more. Didn't really get to see what Dante Thornton can do. Squirrel kind of seemed to be Joe's kind of go-to guy whenever he needed to get rid of the ball. He had six receptions, which led the team. Ramel Keaton, a little, little shaky early. You know, dropped that one pass. But, you know, Brew McCoy today pointed out, it's like, hey, I've seen this guy catching thousands of balls a day. Seen him make that catch 10 out of 10 times. And we know he will 10 out of 10 times moving forward. I mean, it just happens. When you're that wide open, it can be almost – easy to 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 drop that pass because you've just got so much time to think about it falling into your hands and the more you're thinking the 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 more likely a an error or something like that is to happen so i think you'll see more chris play from them moving forward it'll be interesting with austin p felt like the game plan against virginia was pretty vanilla same i don't know eight ten plays the whole game i mean they mixed things up from from the same looks they ran different stuff they ran clock down at times, and they went tempo. I mean, they mixed and matched uh, the way they attacked Virginia, but they didn't really, you know, throw the ball down the field like we're accustomed to seeing. Do they do that against Austin P? Do they hold it all for Florida? 
they don't have to do against Austin P. That's you know kind of that chess game that Josh Hype will have to play. I talked to Jonathan Crompton kind of about some of that uh, in the post game show, and asked him, "Do you know? Do you really think?" that Heupel kept it vanilla in this game. It's always a, you never know, because you don't know exactly what happened on the sideline. Um, and, you know, Crompton, Crompton said, and if you if you don't know the full context, Crompton is now a head football coach for a high school team in North Carolina uh, and also a former Tennessee quarterback, of course, in 2009. But uh, he said unequivocally, like, yes, they, they were, they're not, showing everything they need to that vertical passing game doesn't need to get used against Virginia. And so they just didn't use it. And I mean, the, the one they had the strike right there with Keaton. Um, and, and he, uh, he blew it. Unfortunately, uh, ended up having a a decent game overall, but they missed, missed that. And I think a lot of people have said, this This has been a common talking point, but a lot of people said, you know, if Keaton catches that long ball, we're thinking about this game for Joe Milton a lot differently because he would have nearly 300 yards passing instead of his 200. He would have, uh, you know, another touchdown on the stat sheet, yada, yada. But uh, overall, they just didn't need to stretch the Virginia. It worked on the ground. There was, I mean, let's say this. Josh Heupel did not give respect to Virginia. He, he knew who he was playing. And it was so clear. I mean, running a fourth, going for it on fourth and one at your own 29. Ugh, that early in the game, too. <laughs> I mean, dude, he did not give a flipping hoot about what Virginia was going to do because he knew that his team could either stop it or answer. And it was just so clear. Um, and he was exactly right. I mean, Tennessee was almost able to just kind of name their number. They were able to take Nick, uh, able to take Joe Milton out and bring in Nico. And it just was, it was exactly what we all thought it was going to be. I walked away saying that game went almost as perfectly as it could have. The only way that it could have gone more perfectly is if you don't have that slow start, you just come out of the gate, you're up 21 to zero after the first quarter, maybe you have 35 points at halftime instead. And, and all that would have resulted in is just bringing Nico in a little earlier you probably would have ended up with a, a close to the same score, maybe another touchdown on top of what you would have had. But I mean, just in general, it was really good. Like Papa Jay says here, uh, D Williams is special. You, you saw him get the flash. And in particular, I really loved this. This was from Heupel's press conference today. So D Williams starts out with a fumble and uh, he, he doesn't field a punt that he probably should have fielded that traps Tennessee like inside the 10-yard line. Like It was just like, ah, these have a rough day. And uh, then he ends up redeeming himself. He has two awesome returns in that second half, and he just really looks electric because he is electric. And, and it was just great. And Heupel actually said in his press conference today, I noticed he said that he brought it up to the team as an example to say, hey, he was great. He was resilient. He didn't let that bring him down. Everybody take note of this example. And I thought that was awesome because not only is that super encouraging to D. Williams, but it's it's great for the team to, to be able to see and to acknowledge that. And I just thought that that was very cool. And I agree. I mean, D, D is going to be a dude. It's going to be. I mean, he is a dude. Those returns were killer. And uh, so I'm all, all the way around. I was super happy walking away from that game. Does it instill a ton of confidence in me that Tennessee can walk into the swamp and lay the wood to Florida. Ah, kinda. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I think Florida, just from the look of Florida, they're going to be far more physical and better than Virginia, but 
I mean, they're not. Unless that that Utah game was lying. Eight starters were out for Utah, by the way, in that game. Unless that game just deceived us. Florida might have a long year, man. And I that's it's shaping up to be a game Tennessee should definitely win. I will put it that way. Obviously, that's next week's show is going to be the full preview of that. But um, I, I just thought the game went really well overall. Yeah, I think even that slow start, you can find the silver lining there. Obviously, that's not what you want. But at the same time, getting all that stuff on tape is good for Josh Heupel from a coaching standpoint because, you know, it, it's it, it can be tough to coach when everything's executed properly and when everything goes just right. And that's great when it does. That's what you want. I mean, you want that 100% of the time, but you're not going to get that 100% of the time. I don't care who you are. There's always going to be things that happen during the course of a game or things that go wrong. So when you can get some of that stuff on tape, it can be a good thing because you you get to coach that stuff. Even that failed fourth down when it happened, I kind of, kind of, I guess probably had the same thought process as Josh Heifel. It's like, okay, this this probably isn't going to be consequential in the outcome of this game. Not sure it's a great decision that you should make against Alabama or Georgia or Florida or, or a big game that you might not win. But in this context, it's like, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, you you see what your team has got. Why didn't they get it? What could we do different? I mean, they had, you know, Brew McCoy on like kind of the jet sweep there running behind. He would have had a first down and then some. Maybe he scores. Uh, There's some different stuff that they could have done a little differently on that play that now they get to go coach. And next time when it's a little more important, maybe they make that play. So even with that slow start, there's always good things to, to, to pull out of that. And it's a lot easier after you win by 36 points to say that as opposed to you talked about Florida, you could be Billy Napier talking to the media today and all he's doing is trying to convince everybody that they're going to get it right, that it's on him as a coach and that he's got to coach better. And he's explaining why some you know players with the same numbers are in the game at the same time, uh, why they couldn't run the ball at all when typically that's what they've been good at doing uh, under him at Louisiana and in previous years. Yeah, we've heard all that stuff before from coaches that probably aren't going to make it. He definitely has that vibe. And if you listen to his press conference, it was verbatim almost something that we would have heard at Tennessee between Butch, Dooley, or Pruitt. I mean, he's really kind of like perfect combination of all three of those guys. But yeah, it's not going good there. So that a lot of pressure on Florida to win that game in two weeks uh, because you, you don't want to be the first coach since, uh, I guess, Ron Zook uh, to, to lose twice in a row to Tennessee. Yep. You don't want to be that guy for the first time in two decades. On the flip side, Tennessee can't lose to this Florida team. I mean, they looked pretty bad. And, and a lot of that, they won't be as bad as they were against Utah. They had a lot of pre-snap penalties. Most of their, I think they had nine penalties for like 40-some yards, which tells you they were all probably procedural penalties. If they clean some of that up, you know, perhaps that game turns out a little differently or they build a little momentum. It's a little closer. So I, I don't think Florida's going to be as bad as what we saw against Utah. Plus they're on the road environment was not in their favor. We know all about that after going to Georgia last year. So I hope Tennessee doesn't get overconfident. They're just going to walk in there and beat this team to look bad against Utah because I, I do think they have talent. I, I don't think that Napier is going to get it done there. I do think though that he's capable of beating you if you're, got there and play like he did against South Carolina last year. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with Jason here. He says Florida will show up against us. I guarantee they will look differently. We have to be ready and take them seriously. 100%. Mm-hmm. In no way am I saying Tennessee should not take them seriously. I think all all that I'm saying here is that you look at these two games and Tennessee is a team that looks like they're firing on most cylinders. 
I will put it that way. I, I think it's great that they have another tune-up game before that Florida game to get even more wrinkles ironed out because there it it wasn't perfect. The slow start, we all saw it. Um, some mistakes just in general, and uh, you know they're firing on most cylinders. And Florida, yeah, I mean you you were saying it like Napier has that that thousand yard stare of a guy who knows he there's a pretty good chance he's going to be fired before this season is out. Well, when you're defensive uh, in a press conference, it's almost over, right? Like it's hard to come back from being defensive in press conferences and having to, you know, kind of stick up for who you are as a coach. And, and listen, I listened to all of Billy Napier's press conference today. He spoke for 18 minutes and those Florida reporters were a little more combative than what I'm used to hearing out of like, Tennessee media sessions, even when things are going bad for like Butch and stuff, these were a little more like, Hey, you usually run the ball pretty well. Why can't you now? I mean, they were pretty straight up with him and, and, and to his credit, he, he didn't get, you know, hateful or anything bad, but he was having to defend himself the entire time. Like that's, you don't yeah. see many come back from that. I mean, I, I sat in, I, I was in the media at Tennessee when Butch was, you know, nearing the end and it gets it gets combative with the with the media because the media obviously things go bad and so what are we supposed to, to talk to the guy tough about questions yeah yeah you you have to go well hey man your, your quarterback sucks and seems like your play calling isn't great and your defense is getting blown up like well, what's the deal um and that yeah that that's the uh, the beginning of the end sort of hey, look science. yeah the Florida. Florida's problem is they, well, I'm not going to say their problem. I think, who knows? I think they've, I don't think they figured their culture out yet at all. I think they're still finding their no. way. And, and maybe they get it under Napier. Maybe we're totally wrong. I have no idea. But their offense does not really seem to have any sort of identity at all. And that's usually a red flag to some extent, too. I mean, we said that about Butch for years, that his offenses really had no identity. You didn't really know who they wanted to be. Whereas, you know, with Hypo and with other SEC teams, you you have a clear picture of that. So I think that's the other aspect. And Napier's supposed to be an offensive guy. I mean, it's not like when Pruitt was there and, and he's a defensive guy and he's trying to find the right offensive coordinator. Napier's supposed to be that guy. Absolutely. A uh, couple of other elements from the comments. Lots of people in the comments talking. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, uh, let me see. Where are we? Where was it? It was Ben Hall. He said that he was tired of everyone nitpicking every single throw uh, of of Joe Milton's. And Go back and watch I the Ball State game from last season when Hendon Hooker started. I mean, he wasn't – there yeah. was some early throws. I remember like, hey, Hooker's looking a little shaky out there. I finished, you know, with like 200 passing yards, two touchdowns. His stat line was very – against Ball State in the opener was very similar to what Joe Milton did this season against Virginia. That uh, Milton rushed for more yards and touchdowns than Hooker did against Ball State. So it Hooker wasn't, you know, like I feel like the Kentucky game was kind of when Tennessee was at their peak last season before they played Georgia. That was when everything was clicking at its absolute best. Hooker wasn't at that point against Ball State. So it, it, it we really can't compare Joe Milton in the opener to Hooker when he was at you know at his best last season. Absolutely agree, and and I would go back to something that we just mentioned. I, I think one hundred percent they were being vanilla with the playbook. They they didn't not they weren't disrespectful of Virginia necessarily, but they didn't respect. Oh, so I say West Virginia. They they didn't respect Virginia. Um, 
they they just they knew they knew that this was a team that they could kind of toy with, and so they they went out and kind of had a scrimmage out there. Uh, and so you know you you have to take that for what it is. Also, uh, and then I want to talk super quick. Elias says weird vibe that I got when I look at the play by play and see that Wright was a tailback on three of our first four scoring drives, and then they kept subbing him out near the goal line. But actually, some folks answered that question. JL says he was gassed. I, I think that's exactly what it is. You could actually see. It might he have been the very first several times in that first yes. drive, <laughs> and then they kept he, going through him. Yeah, he said, "He said, uh, hey, can I, can I sit because I'm you're giving me the ball on every single play." Yeah, and <laughs> he ripped it off like several tough physical like 10, 15 yard runs where he was picking up yards after contact. I mean, those were tough runs. It wasn't just like, "Hey, got the ball and we picked up three yards." I mean, he was running hard, and like you said, he got it several times in a row while they're running tempo. No time to catch your breath at all. I could do that, not even one full rep, and I would be tapping on my helmet and mm. crawling towards the sidelines. So I can understand a, a, a you know excellently conditioned college athlete wanting to get out there, especially first game of the year in September. Absolutely, uh, but otherwise, uh, we do have to uh, discuss the gray uniforms for this coming week. But uh, anything else for for the Virginia game that you want to talk about before we we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Nico looked great. I tweeted out that little clip of uh, his last passive attempt, and there was a lot of people that commented that he had Dante Thornton wide open at the bottom of the screen. If you've seen the play, and and that appears to be true. It's not the all twenty-two, so you can't really tell where the DB was down there. But really, that's not the whole point of of any of that. It was his movements, just his natural athletic ability, and you can kind of tell by the way a quarterback moves the way he stepped up in the pocket immediately when pressure got to him. And then he's being pursued off the edge by two or three Virginia defenders. I'm not sure he was able to get his eyes to where Dante Thornton was anyway. Maybe he could. I don't know. It was. I'm not on the field. I don't know. But then the throw across his body, a little bit high. I think it was Ramel Keaton maybe there in the end zone. I'm not, not sure. It, just everything about that was elite body control and ability Something that you just can't teach. Uh, Joe Milton does not have that to the, you know, degree that Nico does. I'm not sure Hooker maybe even had it to the degree that Hooker does or Nico does. I mean, he's got special abilities. Now, now we'll see how that manifests itself in a game. That's not to say he's going to be a superstar, but I think the natural ability is there that you can kind of see that early on just from those movements. I mean, it looked different than when we've seen true freshmen in the past, like. A Brian Maurer, JT Shroud, and no shade at those guys, but it's just a different level of talent there. Yeah, you you saw that it's all there, and it just has to be sharpened. Because yeah, on, on the the play that that you posted, there was a wide open receiver that he missed, but he also made a super slippery, awesome play, and and looked super athletic. And so it's kind of kind of both things. You saw all at once there. You saw yeah, picked up some yards talent. with his legs too. Yes, you, you pointed out, yeah. And I mean, he he is so dynamic. I I think he's I think he's gonna be awesome. I you know don't count those chickens before they hatch. You never know how guys perform under the lights when it comes to you know like in the swamp or, or at Alabama or something like that. But uh, I mean, man, he's he looks apart. I'll I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but I just a couple more. Mister Jones says Joe needs to realize how big and strong he is. Yeah, I. I would like to see Joe more assertively run. You can tell he doesn't like run. And that's, it's kind of neither here nor there because he still did. There was a play 
uh, where he really uh, where he really made a great break with his his legs ended up picking up like twenty yards for Tennessee. I don't remember. Exactly yeah, seventeen is almost seventeen. Yeah, and and that one I think it was just a broken down play where he ended mm-hmm. up uh, running, and so he can do it. He absolutely can do it. He trucked somebody. Yeah, uh, just stuck his hand on their face and said, "No, you're not tackling me," and uh, and stuck their face in the dirt. He's massive and he he can't run like that. But yeah, you could just sort of tell he doesn't he doesn't have that same running instinct that that Hinden did. And that that can be okay. That doesn't mean that he can't still reach those heights of last year's offense. It just means it might look a little different. But uh and then finally this was probably the, the last one. This one got talked about a lot. The punter has to be better, Papa Jay says here. And he got better in the second half. He shanked two punts and it was really rough and everybody was like, okay, so the, the Australian rugby kicker experiment didn't go so hot. And then, and then he got it together he, and it seemed like he really, he had a couple punts that I was very impressed by. So yeah, like a 50 yarder. And then one of those early in the game, if the coverage unit would have done a little better job, they could have down that at the one and they were just barely in the end zone and it was a touchback. So he was very close to having, you know, pinning them at the one yard line too. I, I, and, and Josh I, Heupel fully endorsed him after the game. I thought it was really cool that he he was asked about Jackson Ross, the punter, and he immediately said, imagine, you know, being from a foreign country. You haven't really even played this game. You've never played it at this level at all. In your first game, you know, you go into an NFL stadium. There's 70,000 fans. They're all in orange. They're all on your side, which can almost be tougher to perform in front of for your first time because you don't want to let those people down. And that is a tough spot to be in, and he did settle in and get better. And the rugby style of kicking, you know, I know there's some debate about that, but it, it gives your coverage time, you know, team time to get down the field and, and really cover the play better. Maybe it prevents a long return, that style. We, we, we see it fairly often, I think. So I, I don't, you know, I think he'll settle in just fine. I think so too. Uh, so I think that that'll pretty much wrap up our view of the, the Virginia game. I will put a plug in here. Definitely go back and listen to the post game uh, with me and Jonathan Crompton, former balls quarterback, Jonathan Crompton. It's here on the AZ sports national YouTube channel. Just roll back in, in the, the live broadcasts and you'll find that because his, his insight is second to none. He's the best dude in the game, breaking down Josh Heupel's offense right now. I, I just kid you not go and listen to it and and do yourself a favor. One, one there, thing I wanted to mention to you real quick, how refreshing is it to see dudes like Arian Carter, uh, some of the young guys getting in the game and getting early playing time like immediately uh, and yeah. in the rotation? It felt like under every other head coach before Heupel, it, you just rarely saw that. We we see these guys signed, and it seemed like it would be forever before they were a fact. There was like a handful, like Cam Sutton played decent early, and – Jalen Reeves may have been a couple of those guys, Derek Barnett, but for the most part, it seemed like it took forever to really get those guys worked in. And now you're seeing young guys pretty early and often. I mean, even, you know, Khalifa Keith and got in at Cam Seldon at running back late in the game. Yep. And Arian Carter and Elijah Herring, Elijah Herring, I think he's a sophomore. He led the team in tackles actually on, on Saturday. So a lot of those guys got in and, and played important reps. I mean, Arian Carter was playing early in the game. So that's just refreshing to see talent gets signed and then you immediately get to see them on the field in a key role i i do think that's great yeah because butch it was almost like his policy was like well somebody's got to get injured for this guy to get into the game early so i i love it um 
I mean, obviously, at this point, I implicitly trust in Josh Eipel. <laughs> I don't know how you couldn't uh, if you're a Tennessee yeah. fan. But um, there's that with the Virginia game. Let's move on to the big news of today. The smoky gray uniforms. Uh, Tennessee dropped this video sort of out of the blue. We didn't know when these uniforms would be debuted. Uh, but they they dropped this video and they're going to be wearing the smoky gray retro uniforms to honor Condridge Holloway against Austin P. It's an it's an interesting choice, but this was very controversial today on Twitter. And we're going to talk about it quickly right after I tell you about a brand new sponsor. We got a new sponsor on board here. And I think this one is so cool. It's the folks at Zen Sports. I got to tell you about them. It's football season and it's time to switch to Zen Sports, the fastest growing sports book in Tennessee, changing the bonus, uh, changing the bonus game with their cash rewards program. When you sign for Zen Sports with code A to Z T N A T O Z T N, earn a welcome bonus that gives you five percent cash back on your total betting volume for your first fifteen days of betting. And seriously, I mean, think about that for a second. Obviously, it's totally different from what. Other places uh, are doing for you, but 5% cash back on your total betting volume for 15 days. Uh, if you have friends who bet on sports, share your Zen code, your Zen sports referral bonus code with them, and then you will earn 3% of their betting volume for the first six months of betting on Zen sports with no, with no cap on how much you can earn it. Seriously, this is crazy. Um, I downloaded the app. It's, it's uh, cool looking. It's very, I would say, that it's probably the the easiest to understand betting app I've seen. If you're kind of a novice to betting, maybe uh, go to Zen Sports. But what are you waiting for? Stop wasting time and money on other sports books when you could be earning real cash rewards with Zen Sports. Download today on the App Store at Zen Sport or at ZenSports.com, and your wallet will thank you later. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or up in Tennessee to bet zen sports seriously it's, it's very cool it's uh pretty different from most other uh betting sites uh it was interesting scrolling through it when they they came on board this last week um so go download it zen sports uh with these great uniforms so they debut they post pictures they post video today and there's a whole set of people i i think like me it was sort of three sets of people there, there were people who loved it who just straight up they were just like this is an awesome uniform i can't believe it. And i think kind of the middle is like me where I went, I would have really loved to have a full-blown just orange and white retro uniform, but this one's pretty sweet. It's a pretty cool uniform, and it's a smoky gray. You can't beat that smoky gray helmet. I mean, it's so awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it has the the orange shoulders and the gray rest of the uniform. And and I just thought, hey, it looks cool. It was it was way better than the ones that leaked from sports stores locally. Uh, some some pictures of these uniforms leaked a few weeks ago and fans were kind of like, uh, really? And then you see it on Joe Milton and you're like, okay, I get it now. And then there were fans who hated it and were ranting about it and saying, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. This is disrespectful to Tennessee's tradition. And yada, yada, yada. And so I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll throw it to you, Zach. Where do you stand on the gray uniforms? Uh, on a personal level, I'm more of a traditionalist. I, I like the black uniforms around Halloween. I always think they're cool. Otherwise, I'm I'm just like I'd I'm not passionate about it, but I'd prefer just traditional uniforms. But on the flip side, like my 11 year old sees this stuff and absolutely loves it. I mean, they I'm, kids, of course, they love the alternate uniforms in this, so it's fun to kind of get into it with him and 
And I think it's a, you know, Danny White kind of said this before last season at some point that, or, or at least kind of leaked it out there that they weren't going to use uh, alternate uniforms in big games, you know, just like Alabama and Georgia. And like we've kind of seen in the past, he's staying true to that. I mean, I think this is the perfect type of game to use it in Austin P it's not a game that's very exciting. It's, it's in, it's the, the opener at Neyland. That's about the only thing that's really exciting about this. Tennessee might win 70 to nothing. And by the second quarter, you're going to be kind of checked out halfway, just in, unless you're a real passionate fan, wanting to see, you know, what some of the younger guys have not a lot to be excited about. Right. So it adds a little extra something to a game that otherwise wouldn't be uh, quite as exciting. Uh, I think it's like a stream only game. So maybe some people have a little put a little extra effort into trying to find the game and watching it gives the players a little extra juice when they're going out there from that aspect i think it's a smart thing plus recruiting recruits love this kind of stuff and ultimately i don't care what they're wearing as long as they win that's all that really matters yeah i love like i love the all orange look that's probably my favorite look for tennessee when they wear the orange pants and the orange jerseys they don't do it as i mean they're doing it more often than they used to but i don't really care if they're wearing that or gray or whatever if they beat alabama or they beat georgia just win like like al davis just win that's really all i care about yeah i think you and me were kind of stuck in between seems like the the much younger fans super into it uh we're kind of stuck in between and we go like yeah a, a straight up retro would have been really sweet especially to to honor Condridge holloway yeah. i mean one of the one of the greats of all time at tennessee the first i believe the first black quarterback in the history of sc football and you're you're honoring him they've honored him in the in the past with uh with retro uniforms that were just orange and white and i thought those those were cool it was the mid 2000s i want to say they did that um and now you know they're doing it again and i yeah i i wish it would have just been that straight up retro i think that would have been so cool uh but eh, take it what it is but it, it does seem like the more traditional we got we got some in the comments right here west says i'm traditional don't like these alternatives, but it's not about me. It's about the young men wearing it. That's a perfect attitude right there. Yeah. You don't have to love it, but like, like Zach said there, just win, baby. Go out, go out there, steamroll Austin P. And it, it brings an interesting element to the, the Austin P game because it's not a particularly intriguing game. I mean, we're typically in, in our weekly show, we give a preview of the next game. We don't need to preview this game. We're going to predict the score, but that's really going to be about it. Um, and and so it, I, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. I like this. I also didn't realize this. Um, Brian Rice, ninety nine one, and I, uh, he does. He works for the university too. He he calls there. Well, he, uh, used, he calls. Uh, yeah, I guess he still does. He calls I'm not sure. games. Yeah, yeah. Calls and and the, the Lady Falls games, right? He's he's the. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah, if that's through UT or if it's through someone else. I know he used to work in the uh, yeah athletic department, but either way, he's still very involved with the program. I don't know how that exact employment works when you when yeah. you call Lady Falls games have, and softball games, but have but seen the contract. He he's in the know, and and he told he told me I you know I I said I wish it would have just been traditional orange orange white, but these are cool. Um, and and he said that this is actually part of a series where they're going to change the gray uniform, and it's the smoky gray series for until twenty twenty six. There was actually an article about it last year that I just never came across i i don't know i don't ever remember seeing that but um tennessee did put out a pr statement about it and uh so it'll change next year too and we don't know what that'll be but it'll be kind of a different iteration of the gray uniform until 2026 so interesting thing there but on the whole i mean it just doesn't 
just win. <laughs> just go out. They, they can go out there in uh, you know in shorts and a t-shirt, and as as long as they go and, and they win these football games, I, I don't totally care. And especially if it helps recruiting. I mean, right now that's so key. It's not just nil. It's how you look. It's how your facilities look. It's how how your coaches interact with these players. I mean, it's everything. And if the if the uniform if the uniforms are a part of that, do what you got to do. I, I'm. I'm all for it. I, actually, yeah. I love that from I love that from West. I'm traditional, but it's not about me. It's about the young men wearing them. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect way to put it. And and really, like, whenever Tennessee started doing some of these alternates and they started re- revamping the uniforms, uh, when Butch was hired in 2013, I don't know if you remember those Adidas uniforms that first year or two that kind of had some of the weird like hologram look stuff. They were bizarre uniforms, and then bringing the smoky gray out, like those. Everything they did was to try to try to drum up interest in Tennessee and get people interested. Like people are interested in Tennessee right now. They don't have to go do this. This is something that they just think that they should do. It, it's good for the you know, it's good for publicity, it's good for recruiting, it's good for all those things. It's just kind of like when you're on top and I'm not saying Tennessee's on top, but when you're trending towards the top, you just keep on, you know, ch- chopping away at it and throwing stuff on the fire there and more and more people are going to see you and more and more recruits are going to see you. And it just, everything kind of helps. Absolutely. Do anything, do what you got to do. I always said, I mean, when, when paying players was still illegal, I, my take was always lie, cheat, steal. Just don't tell me about it. I don't need to know you get these players. That that, that was kind of the Kiffin philosophy. <laughs> it's just like, we'll do it. We'll do what needs to get done. You know, well, you're only going to be there a year. You don't really have to worry about what happens. Exactly. But I, you know, now thankfully it's all above board and, and you can actually do, it was always stupid that you couldn't just pay players, but now you can. And now you can have these uniforms, you can have all the crazy facilities. And so I'm, I'm all for it. Just go ahead with it. Uh, but I guess we can end this segment before we go to the final segment where I have to talk about this stupid Titan stuff. Um, prediction for the game. Zach Austin P coming to Neyland stadium. I don't even, I mean, is there even a line for this game? It's got to be what 44 and a half or something for Tennessee in this one. They beat Virginia by 36. Austin P presumably is a team that Virginia will probably be able to beat themselves. Um, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday in these smoky gray uniforms? Yeah, I mean, I think Austin P is not very good at all. Uh, it's going to be severely overmatched, I think. Nico will see a lot of time. I think Gaston Moore will see a lot of time. I think Navy Schuler might see some time, which could be fun. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty bad blowout. I, I got Tennessee. I got Tennessee winning sixty-three to three. I'm gonna. I'm really gonna throw it out there because a lot of times with these games, I feel like I predict too low. I like I predict like fifty to three or something, and it ends up being. I mean, they score sixty against Missouri. Why would they score sixty against Austin? Yeah. Houston? I, that's that's probably right, and especially when your backup is is Nico. Nico came in and and the offense scored a touchdown with him on the field against Virginia. So, I sure. Um, I think I'll I'll go fifty eight to six. They get two field goals. I'll give them that fifty eight six will be my prediction for this one. Need you to get fairly close last week. Some work. Yeah, I, had, uh, I, I missed I missed Tennessee's by a touchdown. I had Virginia's right. I had 42-13, so it was almost Ooh. there. Very, very nearly, but we were both right. Although Tennessee, neither of us chose Tennessee to cover. Uh, well, yours yours was. Not the 28. Uh, I, don't, I can't do math. 
whatever that 30, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I had him at twenty eight. I think it was twenty eight and a half. Yeah, I think it was. I think I, um, I think I had him just below not covering. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Elias says Austin P is going to end up with negative rushing yardage if they score. It's probably a field goal after a turnover. Yeah. It, it's just going to be one of those games, and at least we get to look at these these cool uniforms. Or maybe you you don't like them, and you're going to turn the game off. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's that's at fifty eight to six. I think uh, it's going to be a blowout, blowout for Tennessee. And then we're going to preview the Florida game next week. And now let's finish with some total nonsense, some stuff that I I frankly really don't care to talk about. But all of this stuff that's happened with the Titans and Tennessee fans hating each other, I'm exactly in the middle of it. Kind of like Zach last week with Danny White <laughs> retweeting something from him. Uh, I had like every Titans media fan in existence retweeting me, uh, telling me that I'm an idiot. And so let's talk about it. Right after I tell you about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Whiskey, if I can get their graphic up here. Oh, there it is right there. Look at that beautiful bottle. Nothing goes better with a Tennessee sports victory than a great whiskey. And I'm talking specifically about Rattle and Snap Tennessee Select Straight Whiskey Log Still Distillery. has a Tennessee whiskey product line called Rattle and Snap, named, named after a long-forgotten game of chance. Rattle and Snap is a whiskey. For those who make their own luck, there's a four-year and an eight-year version. You can see the four-year version right there in the corner of the YouTube video if you're watching. Beautiful bottle. Looks great on the shelf. But it goes, uh, b- both versions go great in cocktails. They're also great just drinking them neat in a glass. Go get yourself a bottle across the state of Tennessee at your uh, local store. But it's also available in Kentucky, Indiana, and Mississippi. Run, don't walk to get yourself some Rattle and Snap whiskey for those Tennessee sports victories, like the one against Virginia this past Saturday. I had my whiskey after the game that I drank on the, on the uh, show with Crump. Follow Rattle and Snap on Instagram at Rattle and Snap whiskey okay so i want to give the actual full context of this this whole thing with me and titans fans and what and it's really it's not even titans fans it's titans fans who aren't also tennessee fans is really the feud here um let me get to the actual tweet it's not been uh, interacted with as much recently but uh yeah 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 here it is right here so chad withrow of nashville media fame i think he works for kick now he showed a video of tennessee having completely sold out nissan stadium and in fact tennessee fans actually set the attendance record for nissan stadium um i said it before i'm a huge titans fan that's sad folks i mean a not a, someone who is not your the fo- the home football team's fan base setting the attendance record, especially when you made the playoffs and stuff in the last few years. Come on, but anyway, that's the side point that we might return to here in a minute. But I replied to Chad, and I said exactly this: if the Titans would take even the smallest effort to pander to Tennessee fans, they could get more of this. And ag- and again, this is the part that I think got everybody. I don't. If I didn't say this part. I don't think really this tweet gets almost any interaction at all from Titans fans, but I did say it. So here it is. I finished the tweet and said, instead they prefer to spit in our faces. Now I will say <laughs> that's a little over dramatic. Okay. <laughs> it was a little bit of an expl- explanation point there on the end. I probably should have just said if they would pander more to Tennessee fans, they could get 
more of this. And there's a lot of context to this that I want to kind of explain here. And I think a lot of Tennessee fans know exactly where this is going and exactly what I'm talking about. When I say this, if you are someone who has lived in the state of Tennessee since the Titans showed up, such as myself, I was born in Nashville. I've been a Titans fan since uh, they showed up, had an Eddie George jersey, had Eddie George Steve McNair poster on my wall. I loved the Titans as a kid. And I, a lot of people, you know, they were tweeting at me about that as if I wasn't a Titans fan. Well, guess what? Hello, folks. I am. Been a Titans fan all that time. Been through the bad years, seen all the stuff and all the things. And what I have seen that entire time is really no effort from the Titans to sort of assimilate with Tennessee. And that's not necessarily crazy. There's a lot of NFL teams that do that. But a lot of NFL teams don't have the exact setup as the Titans. And here's the main difference. The Kansas City Chiefs, they have a way bigger fan base and influence than Missouri. The, the New Orleans Saints, they're, you know, stalwart, a tenured team that I would say has very comparable fan base and culture to like LSU. LSU probably has crazier fans, but you know, the, the saints have won super bowls and they have huge fan base. They there's, there's not that same, like LSU doesn't dwarf the saints. And there's, I mean, across the board, I, I don't know that I know another NFL team that gets completely dwarfed by a college in their state. It's, I mean, can you think of one? Maybe what, like the Jaguars, maybe? Like their college teams are probably, college teams in aggregate are probably more popular than them, and they have a tough time selling tickets. But in Tennessee, the University of Tennessee fan base is 10 times as large as the Titans fan base. The Titans cannot sell out their own stadium. And when they do, it's almost always with the help of a huge amount of opposing fans. If, I mean, I've been to Titans games where the opposing fans are louder than Titans fans. It, and as a, as a longtime Titans fan, it's so demoralizing. And it sucks so much. And so that has always been so disappointing that the Titans just don't, they don't throw a bone, the Tennessee at all. There have been some things. I, I didn't even know this. Some people sent to me that they have at one point in the not – too distant past. They've done like a promotion where you get a Titans hat with a Tennessee T on the side if you buy a certain ticket. Like, okay, that's good. But I'm not even talking about that. And then a lot of people thought that I was talking about this. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. A lot of these idiots who reacted to, to what I said, they just assumed, I never said this. Let me be clear. I never said this. They just said, this guy thinks that the Titans should just draft all Tennessee players. Oh, what an idiot. I never said that. I didn't say that. Do I think that they would have been better off drafting Hinton Hooker than Will Levis? Yeah, but actually, I wouldn't have drafted Hinton Hooker even. I would have not drafted Will Levis, and I would have drafted a wide receiver because that's what Tennessee needed more. But they, they got DeAndre Hopkins, and so whatever. But... uh. There, there's that element. I never said that. Go find the tweet where I did. Go look for it. I never said that they needed to uh, to draft all Tennessee players. That's stupid. No team does that. 
But here is a disingenuous part. And I, I, I kind of want your, your input on, on this part a little bit, Zach. Tons of people said to me, oh, well, the Titans came when Peyton went to Indy. And so tons of Tennessee fans became Indy fans. And then they would turn right around and they would say, the Titans don't need to draft any Tennessee players. That's stupid. Oh, hold on. The first thing you said to me is that the Colts drafting Peyton moved a ton of Tennessee fans to be Colts fans. But it wouldn't at all be advantageous for the Titans to maybe consider that sometimes. And the example that I think is absolutely perfect and makes tons and tons of sense. Everybody brings up Levis, but I think the real one is they didn't draft Trey Smith. They, I think, who would they draft instead? Racy I mean, math or something? Six rounds of players. Des, <laughs> he wasn't drafted until way late. Yeah, Des, Des yeah. Patrick it wasn't or good. something? It wasn't good, for sure. I, I mean, he... He was beloved. Trey Smith was, and that's in the sixth round, that's zero risk. Almost always the guy that you draft in the sixth round isn't going to pan out anyway. Yeah. So, Jawan Jennings is, is another one too. Yeah. He was a seventh round pitch, and that guy's a pro and somebody yeah. that every locker room kind of needs one of those guys. I mean, and so they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because they're saying, well, Peyton went and so no Tennessee fans wanted to be Titans fans. Well, you can't have both. You can't say that that moves a ton of fans and then say that there should never be a consideration of, hey, maybe we draft this hometown kid. He looks pretty good. It's low risk. And we can bring him in and we get Tennessee fans. I had a ton in the, in tweeting this. I had a ton of Tennessee fans. Not a ton. I mean, that's a little exaggerated. But multiple. I would say multiple people. They were like, I watched the Titans for the first time in forever when Dobbs played last year. No, oh, I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying you need to draft all Tennessee players. That's stupid. I'm not saying that you need to have like an alternate uniform with a power T on it. That is also stupid. But what I've what I've also felt is that the Titans have always just wanted to be Nashville's team. They don't represent the rest of the state. They just don't. And I think almost all 1,400 people liked that tweet. I gained 100 followers off of that on Twitter. Tons of people saying, Thank, you know, you're totally right. This is great. S screw the tie. I, I mean, I, I'll say this. You, you don't even hold the attendance record in your own stadium. Like maybe I look in the mirror. I think Tennessee broke their own record yeah, from the Music City Ball previously. <laughs> maybe. I think that's what maybe. Josh Michael said for real after the game. I, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, yeah. Ben, Ben says it here. It, it feels like to Tennessee fans, they think they're better than the state that they're in. It really feels that way sometimes. And here's the tough truth for all these Titans media members who are from freaking Chicago and Ohio and wherever you guys might be carpetbagging from to, to come and live in our state, you know, and tell us that we're stupid. Here's the tough truth is that the Titans are a distant second. They are, at, at this point, they have always been, on average, on average, fairly mediocre. They do not, like, run this state. They aren't the main football draw in this state. And for that, <laughs> all of these guys would were saying things like, we've never spit, or uh, the, the Titans have never spit in Tennessee fans' faces. Tennessee fans are stupid. All in the same thing. Well, you just spit in Tennessee fans' faces, and you're the media for this team. And you come from all these other places. You didn't live here. You weren't born here. You don't know what this is. And I, 
I look, I sh- I should have left out the part about spitting in our faces, but sometimes perception is reality. Because fourteen hundred people liked that tweet. I didn't get ratioed. I didn't. I think there was like four hundred replies to it, and a lot of those were Tennessee fans saying that they actually agreed, and then a lot of them were like Titans uh, fans and writers and stuff, and. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get rage. None of the other tweets got like 2000 likes. Mine only got 1400. I mean, there's nothing like that. 1400 people like that. And like, maybe look in a mirror and say, why do these people hate the Titans? Why? I, I am a huge, huge, nearly lifelong Titans fan. It would be lifelong if they had been around before I was born, but I was eight when they moved to Tennessee. Me like, look in a mirror and say, why do they all hate us? And maybe we could do something for these, the largest consumer base in this state for the game of football. Maybe look at them and be like, why do they hate our team? Maybe, you know, just a thought. Because perception is reality. And the perception of tons of Tennessee fans is that the Titans hate Tennessee. It just is. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. They think that. Sometimes I have thought that. And I, what do you want me to do? And so I, I don't know if that's convincing, but that's really my overarching point is just for, for those guys, for all these idiots that have been saying all this stuff, oh, I'm going to talk about you on my podcast and I'm going to do this and that and these things. Oh, 104.5. I, I gave 104.5 in Nashville their entire programming today. You're welcome. Uh, but the thing is, perception is reality. Tons of Tennessee fans hate you. Look in a mirror. I don't know. Just think about it. There, there's something there. And of course, they're just going to turn around and say it doesn't. We don't need we don't need Tennessee fans in the state of Tennessee. We don't need they they hold the attendance record for our stadium, but we don't need that. Stupid. It's stupid. I don't know. What do you think? Oh well, I saw your tweet originally, and honestly, I will be honest, I didn't really think much of it. Like I saw it just you know, we've kind of discussed this a little bit before, and I was just I kind of went I kind of moved on pretty quick because I'm not a Titans fan, so I was just like, Yeah, I mean, they they probably could I don't know how that looks, but that is a huge segment of your your population that you could maybe rope in. Uh, maybe a lot of Vols fans aren't even really NFL fans. Maybe you could kind of, you know, reach out to them in some way and kind of make them feel like part of the fan. I don't know how that looks at all, but it does seem like it, a good idea. I thought the response to it is what was really shocking to me. One, that people were that passionate and cared that much, especially people in the media. I mean, normally you see stuff like that and you kind of, move on right like you're like yeah no i don't i don't really agree with that or i do agree it doesn't usually turn into that maybe that's i guess that's the downside of social media that i've yet to accept i was just surprised that that many people were passionately upset about this and then you know a lot of the media people that were like taking shots at you or whatever like they're taking personal shots at vol fans or you personally yeah. it's like well how are you any better than than what you're claiming to be mad about? I mean, you're Thank you're you. exhibiting <laughs> this behavior. You are spitting right? in our face. It's like you, Charlie, wasn't you know singling out a, a, a Titans media member or this or that, and then all the stuff kind of coming back was like, hey, okay, guys, like, are are you trying to give us a lesson on maturity here? Because if so, you're not you're not really doing very good at it. In fact, you're probably doing the opposite. I mean, I saw some some tweets from people that was like, I think you guys just want to take shots at false fans. And I think it's because yes, yes. I think there's a few reasons why I won't get into, but 
I think a lot of it is just the interest that this team generates and this fan base. I mean, there's a lot of interest in the Tennessee Vols that some other teams and, and franchises just don't have. Not all, but there are ones, and, and the Titans at times have been one of those just because of their performance over the years, and it's uh, certain cities, Nashville, Charlotte, where the Panthers are, the Falcons with Atlanta. Sometimes you have so many transplants, it can be kind of hard to – to really build that identity with a city, even after, you know, almost 30 years that the Titans have been in Nashville. So I think maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I I was really shocked that it became this huge thing. It was uh, not what I I was expecting. When I saw the tweet, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe somebody will fire back something there, but I didn't think it would become a huge deal like that. It was, it was pretty surprising. And it's just the amount of people that live in Tennessee that don't really care about college football, but just hate the Vols because, people really like them i mean that's really the only thing i can think of i I don't i don't get what all that's about one of the funniest responses that i saw a ton this one happened a ton was tennessee had one good year and all of a sudden they think the titans owe them something one good year this university has been here for hundreds of years they created football in this state who do you think you are (laughs) i mean get out of here one good year yeah besides the national championship of the modern era and the the fans that hold the attendance record at your stadium again i'm a huge titans fan that pisses me off that that's true it's pathetic for that organization that i have loved for so long and are i mean can you not there, the, the lack of self-awareness from so much of this, and, it, and I think it, there's lack of self-awareness because they did. The primary thing they wanted to do was take shots at Tennessee fans because so many of these people. I mean, at, Titans fans are Alabama fans. Oh, I've seen a lot of people from Ohio for some reason. Maybe it's because of Rabel being an Ohio State guy. Ohio, Kentucky now with Levis. No, drafting people doesn't move fan bases, but now there's a ton of new Kentucky fans who are now Titans fans. Give me a break. Anyway... The Kentucky fans chirping at me, you know, all of this stuff. And they're, you know, Tennessee had one good season. No, Tennessee has been a stalwart institution in this state and actually put a great product on the field for a number of years and, and grew this giant fan base, has one of the greatest football coaches in the history of this sport, and Robert Nealon, and, and won a national championship uh, in, in 1998 and then has this crazy, loyal, huge fan base that holds the attendance record at your stadium. And they had one good year, and they think that we owe them something. I don't think you owe me anything. It makes me sad that I've lived in this state. And I, I said this, too. This team has been in this state for 25 years. There's not a billboard around here. You don't see Titan stuff in stores. And I know more Predators fans than I know Titans fans. The Predators have done more. You know, they do like the the Southern hockey thing, and they really emphasize that and the crazy crowd and the catfish, which is kind of a Southern thing. Like, they've they've sort of, like, assimilated. And and it hasn't been directly towards Tennessee, but it's been sort of directed as if they match the culture of the state of Tennessee, if that makes sense. And so you have, like, Tennessee fans who became Predators fans. They made, they made Tennessee football fans into hockey fans. And you can't get them to cheer for your football team. And not only that, they hate you. Are you stupid? What? Like, I I can't wrap my mind around it. 
And I, I agree. I mean, the, the primary response from all of this was just people trying to dunk on Tennessee fans. That was the main thing. So many of those media members went to other schools. They hate Tennessee. So, oh, so many of them are Vandy fans. Ton of, there, there's like six Vandy fans total, but they all are also Titans fans. And so they were trying, you know, they got in on this too. The, the whole thing was just really frustrating, really stupid. Um, there, there were some comments here. Yeah, I said 104.5 at a field day with it today. Elias says, Ron Slay, great VFL, Tennessee basketball player. He said, uh, he mentioned that some of the decision makers at 104.5 basically laughed at the idea that UT would be an unbelievably big deal relative to the Titans when they got good. If that tells you anything about the perception of Tennessee and Nashville, I mean, the, the, really the bottom line is this. The Titans are just, they're Nash. They need to be the Nashville Titans. They're not the Tennessee Titans. They don't represent the state. When I, when I make a tweet, like that 1300 people like it and a lot of people go yeah exactly you don't represent the rest of the state it's anecdotal but let's be honest here you just you don't um there's just a lot of realities here that all of these people they want to dunk on tennessee fans there's a lot of realities that they just don't want to to face the fact that the largest football consumer base in the state doesn't like their product <laughs> i mean i don't know i i will say the guy that really blew this up, it was somebody Herndon, Mike Herndon. Um, he's like a Tennessee or a Titans writer. Mm -hmm. He did say, and I thought this was, there was truth to this. He said that maybe when the Titans have more time, like, you know, just some of these, like the Kansas City Chiefs, like they've just been around since the beginning of the, the NFL, since the merger, you know, yada, yada. They just have more time to build that fan base. And the Titans have only had this, you know, less than half of that same amount of time. Maybe in time you can get fans, but they're sure not doing a good job of it. You know, having all of the media members laugh in Tennessee fans' faces and, you know, guffaw at, at our expense and do all these things when we hold the attendance record at your stadium. I, I just can't. I, I don't know. That's really it. But nobody, of course, I said it before, no, none of these guys, nobody at 104.5, nobody at our own organization here at A to Z, none of them. And I'm not, Austin St. Louis, a Tennessee fan. I've been talking to him about this. this. That's not directed towards him. But a few other guys at this organization, they don't want to bring, don't, don't talk to me about it. Don't ask me what I meant by it. Don't ask any other Tennessee fans what they meant by it. Just make fun of them. Just make fun of Tennessee fans. Just take your shot. Take your shot and then log off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do that. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's the... And I'll say this too. Shout out to to Jack Gentry. He was also cool about it. He's A to Z. I'll, I'll give him a pass. Me, me and him texting uh, about it. I, I, I do think, like, I, I, again, like, I'm not a Titans fan, so I really, it really doesn't matter to me. But I do think, uh, and one of the comments here that's brought up, uh, Rhett brings up that he's he's pulling for the Lions because Hinton Hooker's there, pulling for Hyatt Twos with the New York Giants. There is an element of that where I, I think it has to be organic. Like, I'm never for drafting a player just because he went to a certain school. I think there's just so much that goes into that. And that's just maybe, you, you know, if it's somebody who went to Georgia or Alabama, you get a tie break because of that, that program you come from. And historically, those have been good pros. But I think when there is an opportunity, there's, you know, cross-promotion, cross-marketing. I don't. I didn't follow a lot of the Titan social media stuff leading up to Tennessee's Virginia game, but I didn't. I don't recall seeing a lot of like cross promotion on that stuff with the game being in Nissan. No. I'm sure there was a little, maybe. 
But some stuff like that, you you could definitely appeal to Tennessee fans without being over the top. I don't think you have to go cater to the whole fan base because, you know, there are a lot of Titans fans that maybe live in Memphis and they're Ole Miss fans or they went to Kentucky or Alabama or whatever. Like it is kind of a, a melting pot of, of you know, people and where they've come from and went to school. So I get that there are, you know, not every Titans fan is a Vols fan. Not every Vols fan is a Titans fan, obviously. But if that's there and you can maybe increase attendance a little bit or generate a little more interest with some creative ways, again, it's tough to say what that looks like. What is it? Is it playing Rocky Top in the stadium before a game just for Tennessee fans? Is it tweeting about them a little more or promoting them, uh, their games a little more or something? I, I don't know. I mean, you well, do I, I see when some of these other programs, like, like Hinton Hooker in Detroit, like I've seen – stuff from the Lions kind of geared towards Tennessee fans. Like they're trying, they, they could do a better job of it, but they're trying to kind of rope those fans in a little bit. So I do think it's a huge resource of potential fans that you could tap into. Somebody a lot smarter than me when it comes to marketing and promotions would have to figure out how to do that and what it looks like. But I do think there's an opportunity there. I don't think it's a, a totally crazy premise at all. Uh, so that's why I don't know why people got so upset about it. I mean, the Atlanta Braves. They wanted. Do they, with, wanted they wanted the dunk on Tennessee fans. I that's that gets right. It's got to be the only reason. That was the yeah. Main thing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you you see the Braves fans do it with Georgia. Obviously, they even do it with Tennessee a little bit because that's a fan base that a lot of Tennessee fans are Braves fans. We've talked about that before. They have some stuff every now and then, like the hat and things that you were mentioning that they've maybe done in the past with the Titans. So. You know, professional franchises do that from time to time, especially in cities where it can be hard to build just a natural fan base where it's not like a Pittsburgh or a Kansas City or Detroit that just has these built-in fan bases that have been around for decades. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. I'm surprised that they haven't tapped into that a little more over the years just because it's it's just it's right there. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of Tennessee Vols fans that aren't NFL fans at all that you know, maybe they would be, you know, if, if they would have drafted Trey Smith in the late rounds, and it's like, hey, give this guy a shot. He's a pretty good player. Imagine the marketing that you would build just around Trey Smith. I mean, a lot of Tennessee fans kind of follow the Chiefs and are interested in what the Chiefs are doing just because of Trey Smith. Uh, same with Jawan Jennings in the 49ers or, like I said, Hooker with the Lions. I'll say it again. Say it again. Perception is reality. And so you have to look at what is the reasoning behind when I tweet something like that, tons of Tennessee fans like it and agree with it. Why? And there's no self-reflection there. I mean, chill mode here. I actually saw he, he did a, a super chat for five bucks. Thanks so much, chill mode. Uh, he said, I've been feeling this way for years. And th this is actually good humor from Lou Man. Lou Man's a Vandy fan and a Titans fan. Uh, he said, hey, I'm the seventh Vandy fan. Because <laughs> I said, Vandy has like six fans total. Uh and he, he's the seventh Vandy fan. That's that's good. That's a good one, Lumen. I I like that. Um, but I I, I just I don't had... get the I don't get the whole just like wanting to dunk on another fan base immediately. Anyway, I'm I'm never I'm not like the Georgia fans annoy me to no end. Just kind of, kind of the way they act and stuff. But otherwise, like it, it, you know, I don't know. Everybody's well, so a fan of something. This was an interesting element too. I had probably two or three. Um, quote tweets of it that were Georgia fans saying they feel that same exact way about the Falcons. Hmm. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, that is. And, and so maybe, yeah, it's, I mean, maybe that's, that's one where the Georgia fan base is bigger than the Falcons fan base. I bet, I bet that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's another, like you said, that's another city where you have a lot of transplants. It can be kind of hard to yeah. have 
this super deep passionate fan base. And there are look, there are super passionate Falcons fans. There are unbelievably passionate Titans fans like yourself and and plenty of others. I mean, we're not saying that that's not the case at all, but it does pale in comparison to some other you know bigger fan bases that that have just had more time to build those connections. Yeah, but I my entire point and just what I've always wanted it's just always been disappointing to me that there is just just no outreach there. Like I said, just not that sort of that doesn't want. feel like there's a partnership at all. Really. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, is it over dramatic to say they spit in our faces? Sure. I don't think it's been malicious. I don't think that they've sat in the back room and been like, screw Tennessee fans. I'm sure they want Tennessee fans to be fans of the Titans, but I think their marketing has been poor. It hasn't helped that they've been mediocre. They are. I mean, this hurts me to say, but it's just absolutely true. Just the Titans are at this point still just a second rate NFL team. It just, I mean, I'll say this again, in case this gets taken out of context, clipped or something like that. I am a Titans fan for as long as they have been in the state of Tennessee and they just are, that doesn't help. And it doesn't encourage people, um, you know, to be fans. And then so, and so because, because, they are still in that second-rate spot, and they are a distant number two in their own state. And then when I tweet things like this about the attendance record and all that, a bunch of Tennessee fans talk about how much they hate the Titans. You know, just maybe think about it. Maybe think about it before any of y'all start start laughing about it or talking about it on your podcasts or whatever you might be doing. You know, just, just a little bit of self-reflection. Maybe. They don't owe us anything. But maybe just take a look in the mirror. And I think that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> we, we, we're gonna have to post this as a clip. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 hey, I like a number of those dudes in, in Titans media. I really do. So some of them have been very cool to me and I like them. Why why are you doing this? Stop and stop trying to dunk on me and you know, maybe talk to me. Just a thought. I literally know these people personally. Just a thought. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Burris, Zachary. Oh, let's let's finish with this. We'll finish on a lighter note. <laughs> dude, Butch Jones, man. Oh God. <laughs> oh, dude. Um, Butch lost seventy-three to zero, and I, this was one of the best tweets that I've seen from. A, I think it was a Tennessee fan. Uh. And it said, Butch, how many points did your team lose by today? And it was the picture from when ten, uh, Alabama beat Tennessee at Tennessee and Butch was smoking a cigar like the giant idiot he is. And the person, the guy in the picture with him is number 73 on the team and he's pointing to the jersey. And it, the tweet said, how many points did you lose by today? It was beautiful. There's video of him essentially crying on the sidelines. His players were consoling him. And you pulled out, what did that clip say that you pulled out that Butch? Uh, uh, yeah, he said, you you have to not lose the game before you can win the game, which explains a lot about 2015 Oklahoma and 2014 Florida and some other disastrous games uh, he had at Tennessee where he tried to not lose the game. Instead of doing what good teams do, and they just try to go out there and win the game. I mean, Herm Edwards said it best. You play to win the game. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> but it was look, just... At times, I feel bad for the guy because it's like he's a human being, and, and he went from 
you know, 2016, the Hail Mary to start 5-0 to beat Georgia in Athens, beating Kirby Smart. I mean, he's on top of the world right then, right? And since then, it's been nothing but downhill. Like, he peaked there, and it's it's pretty bad. I mean, they're 5-20 and at Arkansas State under him. They were a winning program before Blake Anderson left and went to Utah State. And Butch has done nothing. I watch his press conferences. He's done nothing but blame the culture. He's blamed the culture. He's in his third year. He's still blaming the culture that he inherited. He's still talking about youth and how many seniors they have and how many young players they have. Like it's the same playbook as what you heard in 2017 when he was at Tennessee or when he first started at Tennessee. But you know, there's parts of me that at times feel bad. But then every every time I start to feel that way, I hear a new story from someone that either worked on his staff at some point or was around. And I'm talking about like coaches. They're just like, he's not a good person. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't feel bad for him. I don't know. I, I mean, I saw, I retweeted, you posted that video, I think on our, our Big Orange podcast uh, Twitter account. And Jay Graham yeah. retweeted with some GIF or something. And I was like, oh, I mean, Jay, Jay Graham, it's coach, uh, a Tennessee, former Tennessee Wait. player who worked for Butch. For two and, months, remember if you remember, he yeah. he, he was initially he was on Derek Dooley's Ooh. staff in 2012. He Butch kept him. He stayed until right after signing there, went to Florida State, where ironically he worked with Jeremy Pruitt. But I'm I don't know what happened with Jay Graham, but I think we can read between the lines that he went through two months of Butch and was like, "No, there's there's just no way. Like I cannot do this. I cannot work for this man." And he got out quickly. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um. I mean, I do have a little bit of personal beef with Butch. I I can't say that I'm not enjoying his downfall. I would be lying if I said that. I don't want per, I don't want like personal tragedy for him. No, and nothing. But it's pretty hilarious. Know. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I do feel bad for his family having to go yes, through some 100%. of that. I mean, especially his kids. Like, uh, you know, it's not it's not their fault, right? Like, it's not their fault no. that they have to see the scrutiny and stuff. Like, Butch has brought a lot of this on himself. He's not the first coach to be terrible at his job. He's not the last. He's not the only one that's really bad at his job right now, but he brings a lot of it on himself with the constant barrage of excuses and these stupid one-liners that sound like they're cooked up in some motivational seminar in some second-rate city that nobody's actually successful wants to go to. That's that. Uh, I, there were a couple of extra comments here about the Titans stuff that I just wanted to say. Elias said, the Titans fans who, who were pissed off about what I said, they said they got too caught up in their feelings and don't want to have an arrangement that makes them look like they're the little brother to, to the University of Tennessee. But that's exactly what they'd be in a mutual arrangement. That's a really good point. Um, and I mean, I, I think they definitely know that. I as I said in that, in sort of my rant there, they they are a distant number two in terms of fan base and you know the craziness of the fans of Tennessee and loyalty and the amount of money that they spend and yada yada yada. It's not even close. Um, so that I think that's a good point. And then Chill Mode, Chill Mode said this: if they are not putting out a good product on the field, then yes, they do owe us something. Oof. That's brutal, but also true because the Titans are an entertainment product, and when they stink. Is the entertainment product living up to their, its expectations? Their entertainment product in their business, and there's money to be spent out there in the pockets of Vols fans if they'll go mine it and they can figure out a way to to get some of that in revenue. Absolutely. All right. 
I think that is it. What a show. We're we're gonna have to post that as a clip. I I'm gonna the, my full statement, ladies and gents, on the whole Titan BS. There you go. Whole context. You get exactly what I said. Not that anybody asked. Nobody asked me. But you're gonna get it. So here you go. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thanks so much. And to all the new followers that that whole thing got me, what's up? Maybe you're watching right now and you're, and you're just new to me, noticing me from that tweet that you liked about the Titans. Uh, welcome. And uh, probably thanks surprised for watching. to learn you're actually a Titans fan. Probably. <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> That's a weird situation. Um, but thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. So it's to, to everybody that watches or hate watches or whatever you're doing here. I know, I know there were some people in the comments being haters, but that is okay. Lou Man, I, I know that he, uh, he, he, look, Lou Man even said he will agree. And he's some. a Pandy fan and also a Titans fan. Some, a little, some, not totally. So maybe I had a decent point. But no, you just got to just dunk on me. Don't talk to me about it. Just dunk on me. All right. I'm keeping receipts. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. That's fine. No. Thank you so much to everybody who watched. Seriously, everybody, it means the world. You're the reason that we get to keep uh, doing this show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.